0: All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. I'm your woman's veteran.
1: And I'm the undead virgin.
0: <laughs> and we're your hosts. The virgins always die first, Clayton, so you're in trouble. No, the no virg- they survive. The
1: virgins survive.
0: Oh, I'm in trouble.
1: Yes, you're in big, big trouble.
0: <laughs> I'm really excited to have a month of scary romance books I know we're kicking it off this month
1: last year we did one scary book Mm -hmm. which wasn't even really scary
0: here's how simpatico we are with our with our listeners is I was looking for you know scary books to read and people really showed up and out of the blue were emailing me like hey in case you're looking for a scary book here's one that I really like and I'm like you people I love you make my job so easy um suggesting amazing books um but before we get started with that i know we said that it was going to be an occasional thing us you know reading reviews but then you guys keep writing really nice and great ones so we're just going to keep doing it
1: (laughs) gene fence gave us a review on apple podcasts that said such a joy i started listening to this podcast one month ago and i'm loving it I've been a romance reader for over 10 years, and I have a few favorite authors. Lisa Claypass is, and always will be, in my opinion, the best of the best. I love hearing your takes on such a wide range of subgenres in the world of romance, and it has introduced me to new books and authors to explore. Thank you for bringing joy and entertainment to my daily commute, and thank you for highlighting that consent is sexy
0: we really appreciate when you guys take the time to write those reviews it's how people find us i know it's like every podcast asks for it um but that's kind of why yeah there's a reason why we all ask you know sometimes you guys ask about patreons and it's like the thing you could do that really helps us the most is to just write a review Hey everybody, it's Kelly, host of Boobies and Newbies, part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Every episode, I invite a romance-reading newbie to read and review their very first romance novel. Alongside me, a self proclaimed romance novel addict. We're talking everything from bisexual pegging. We need more <laughs> pegging on TV. We need it in books. We need it in real life. We need to talk about it. To the deepest intricacies of relationships. It really is like we're fighting for us. Yes. Like we're let's fight. That's beautiful. We cover it all. Find and follow us on social media at Boobies Podcast and catch up on previous episodes on your favorite podcast streaming platform. The book that we read this month was a recommendation um, from Cecilia Valdez. She emailed us. So you can always email us at podcast at gmail.com with any recommendations. Um, this weekend, I went through and I replied to everybody I could find. But if I haven't replied to your email, just send it again. Let me know. I'm, I'm, I really love when you guys write to us and it. you guys are all so kind and so funny and have such interesting takes and I really appreciate it. So um, learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com is how you get a hold of us. Um, and like I said, so Cecilia... Uh, wrote, uh, if you're still looking for an October book, I recommend The Widow of Rose House by Diana Biller. It takes place in 1875 New York and has ghosts, a crumbling haunted house, excellent banter and chemistry between Sam and Alva. He's a gorgeous six four genius scientist inventor with golden retriever energy and a big giant heart swoon. And she is a scandalous widow returning to New York to get back her life. She's very reserved and guarded and with good reasons, but also super strong and determined to move forward on her own. This book has terrible parents, horrible husbands and in-laws and so much more. Anyway, I just want to say thank you for bringing some laughter and positivity to my ears every week. So Cecilia, your email came at exactly the right time. I was looking for a new spooky book and that's what we did this week. We read The Widow of Rose House by Diana Biller. And let's go ahead and let's judge this cover.
1: Like the cover, doesn't look like a romance.
0: I think this is possibly one of the most beautiful covers I've seen. I am, like, truly mesmerized by it. She's wearing, like, a velvet uh, coat over a big dark skirt that's black. And this cover does a great job because it's also, it's like, there are things from the book like him loving her in red, she's wearing red, the key, all these little symbols, gorgeous. I agree, it is not, it, it's not a romance cover to the point where I was talking to a friend yesterday and she was like, oh, so you guys aren't reading romance this week? And I was like, no, we are. And she's like, that's not just like fiction. And I was like, no, <laughs> it was like a normal romance. And she was surprised. So that's the trade-off. I,
1: I think it's, it, it just brings up a interesting... Conversation about what makes a romance a romance from the cover. I think mm-hmm. we, we never want to put romance in a box, but there's so many boxes that romance seems to get stuck in, and one of them is what is a cover? What's a romance cover? I don't know if they mm-hmm. have that same argument with sci-fi or horror or... Any other genre, right? Where it's like, well, that's not the kind of cover. I mean, I'm sure this goes on in publishing, obviously, because they, they're selling a product. But mm-hmm. aesthetically, are there sci-fi fans who are who look at a cover and think, well, that's not a sci-fi cover? This, to me, isn't a romance cover because there's no... You know, uh, you know, it, it, there's there's no uh, models on the front that are showing pecs or, you know, showing cleavage or things like that. Is that why I think it's not romance? It's very interesting. Like, am I perpetuating something that I shouldn't be by saying these things?
0: Right. And because I'm just thinking, like, obviously, I'm a romance fan. So I would be looking for this in a in a bookstore. And it looks like it says only love can light up the dark as like the tagline small. So yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily know if this was a romance. And honestly, even when Cecilia recommended it, I did like go through the good reads and, and stuff and read to try to make sure like, okay, is this like an actual like romance hitting the romance beats like i didn't want to accidentally read like women's fiction or something god forbid well for this podcast if there was just like no romance in the book i'd be like sorry clayton oh and <laughs> i do know what to do this week
1: no absolutely we don't we won't i mean it's not like we wouldn't want to read it it's just it would be a bummer for the show
0: yeah so but I'm, but gorgeous. But that's the thing, too. It's like, I don't want to say anything negative about the cover, because I do think it's like a stunning visual cover. And it's like, I don't necessarily want the cover to be different. Like, I, I do really, really love it the way it is. But I agree. You know, it's sort of like, well, well, then what is the job of the cover? Is Is the cover to telegraph what's inside the book? Yes, I guess. But and this does do that because there are so many elements of the story that are represented in this cover in a really beautiful way but it's it's not representing the he, big theme of the book which obviously as a romance novel is that it's romance but i wonder if this is the same thing too that we've talked about in publishing where they are really stepping away from the clinch covers and trying to make romance more literary uh you know it's this is sort of the other side of the cartoon covers where you know, you buy this book thinking it's just sort of like a fiction. I mean, it is a fiction. <laughs> but it, you just buy this book thinking it's it's not realizing it's a romance, and then you're sort of sucked into the romance. Because it is a pretty raunchy book, if you are not expecting it.
1: Um, for Yeah, for, for people who are not romance readers, if they pick this up, they would be surprised.
0: Mm-hmm. But maybe that's good. And honestly, it's like maybe this will open it up to people who have those preconceived notions about romance and wouldn't necessarily want to be seen, you know, with a more traditional cover. But this, you know, it it doesn't really telegraph the same thing. and, And so people might be more inclined to pick it up. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's really interesting. I, I would love, I think, this cover more than some other covers. It's like I would like to sort of go through the thought process because it is really, uh, really, really interesting and, and really well done. Anyway, Clayton, enough about the cover. What was the book about?
1: This book is about Alva Webster, who buys a house, an old dilapidated house that nobody's been in for years, In the hopes of redoing it for a book that she wants to publish about interior design where she just fixes up this this old house and she sells a billion copies and can be independent. Because she is a widow and she is a widow who has – she's disgraced. Mm -hmm. Her husband is dead. There's whispers about what happened. There's also whispers about her personal life, orgies and such, and (laughs) she just gets, she gets the side eye everywhere she goes. And enter Sam, the professor, who is an inventor from a family of inventors, and he hears about this house and that there might be ghosts in it. And he wants to figure out if there are, because he wants to meet them. They end up going into the house, and they discover—spoiler alert—there is an actual ghost, but it's not what they expected, and they fall in love.
0: What did you think of it, Clayton?
1: This just did nothing for me, unfortunately, and I don't know if it's the frame of mind I'm in, but this—I really just was not enjoying this that much. I do understand that people like the characters. I think it was well-written. I think the characters were good. I think one of the things that maybe dampened this for me a lot was that we had a very similar trajectory with the heroine in the last book we read, where she had a bad experience previously with a Mm -hmm. boyfriend in the last book, this being a husband. The whole idea of somebody having power over her and trying to run away from it and like the, her struggle in this book was to deal with the ghost of her of her ex-husband who she thinks might be haunting the house that she bought. So it becomes a literal what if you were haunted by a person who was abusive to you and died and then came back? which is an interesting concept. It's a little on the nose. But I think that was the thing is that not that I don't understand and sympathize with her plight, but after last last week's book, it felt so redundant. I wanted a different story. And I think that had a lot to do with me thinking, oh, okay, so this is exactly what I think it is now with this story and the X. And then Sam, I, I know that this is about idealized men, but this dork is ripped and handsome. It, it, it seemed goofy to me. The, his, the way he's described, if I saw him in a movie, I'd think, oh, this is like a joke that he's this good looking, but also this much of a dork. So that kind of took me out of it. Like, what, what did you think?
0: <laughs> it sounds like you're just not you were in like the frame of like this book just didn't hit you at the right time. And I do think that there's something about books being read at the right time. And that's sort of like when they connect with you. I absolutely loved this book. I thought it was really, really well done. Um, I think I don't have the same like... Now that you mention it, that this is sort of the same trajectory as Vera in The Opposite of You, like, I see it. I don't think at the time as I was reading, I um, put that together. I don't think that was in my mind at all. And honestly, it's like, I feel like The Opposite of You was sort of like such a kind of a nothing book for me. Like, I couldn't remember what book we had even talked about last week. <laughs> um, and I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying about Sam um what made me think of that is like in the in enola Holmes that that netflix movie and henry cavill is uh sherlock holmes and everyone's so mad because they're like sherlock holmes isn't supposed to be like ripped and really handsome but i'm like well what if he was
1: yeah i I think that i think that does bring bring you out of it because it's it's a little goofy like where would he be where would this guy be lifting weights back in the you know back then like why is he so ripped what did he what does he do to be so ripped and buff
0: i don't know i think he's just like in his 20s so he just is like i think that's just kind of like his build i mean the thing is is like people weren't cut back then and the way that people are like cut now just because there just wasn't like People weren't eating just, like, chicken breasts and stuff. They didn't sort of, like, know how to make that happen. No, they
1: weren't in ketosis. (laughs) So This guy wasn't doing CrossFit uh, between inventing light switches or whatever. What did he Lanterns?
0: Yeah. He – I don't know. I think just, like, your everyday activities. He was probably, like – I don't know. Some people just have – different bodies i didn't think about that until now you're bringing it up i i like i agree i guess if but then it is sort of the thing of like pretty much all of the heroes we read are inexplicably ripped you know and it's like you either just have to kind of accept it as part of the genre like listen i would go for a pudgy hero i think that's cute i have no problem with it i don't need everyone to be uh absurdly ripped
1: yeah i mean i didn't want him to be a pencil neck geek but I I did find it, I was incredulous at his physique in this, mm-hmm. and I've never felt that way before. Which I probably should have because yeah, exactly like you said. Why why is Derek Craven ripped? Right. Uh, you He's know, like, everything he does all day is just watch people gamble and maybe beat a few people up. But that's not gonna. He would just be barrel chested. He wouldn't be actually in in great shape.
0: And just brood that burns a lot of calories,
1: I guess. Yeah, brooding, brooding, vacuuming, these kind of things they burn a lot more calories than you expect.
0: And well, and I think for me, too, about the book is like I love the Gilded Age, and this Diana Biller, the author, did a lot of research. You can tell there's a lot of like sort of winks and nods to anyone who is familiar with the period, which I really liked her being named Alva specifically. Um, And I thought it was really interesting. I think the Gilded Age is a really interesting time. Um, And the idea that this family of inventors would also be interested and believing in ghosts is also something that's very, like, period. People believed in ghosts. A a lot of that was because people were being uh, low-key exposed to, like, hallucinogenic gas all the time. (laughs) So that is what happened but I think um, is that why you believe in ghosts? oh yeah all the gas gas I sniff yeah I believe in ghosts because I've seen ghosts and we've talked about it and I was breathing clean air at the time um and I just thought it was a really lovely love story and I think that it was a bit of a role reversal as well I that you know we've seen a lot of stories where the heroine is impossibly sunshine and positive. And the hero is grumpy and brooding. I love a grumpy, brooding hero. But it was nice to see it reversed and see a heroine who's a little bit more shy, more brooding, more resigned to sort of be alone. And to have a hero who is just, like, kind of relentlessly happy and who has just, like, come from a nice family full of nice people who love him very much. And there's something to that. I think it's, like, I can't do one more hero who is in the foster care system. It's just... Lazy. I don't. At this stage, I just feel like it's lazy, and it's 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 shorthand for something. And I don't know the foster care system. It's like a bigger structural issue that I'm fine to talk about, but not really in romance. And so, um, just not
1: as much as it is. I just I think if it was yeah. occasional, it would obviously not bump you,
0: right? But I feel like it's the sort of thing where it's like, well, we need a reason why this guy's broody. He was in the foster care system. If he it, if it's a contemporary, anyway. I, so I really loved that sort of role reversal. I thought it was well-written. I liked that also, like, the front of the book was packed with the romance. And then we got the, more of the story of the ghost and them trying to hunt it down together in more of, like, the second and the third act, which I thought was really smart. And I think a lot of times that switched where there's so much up front that is not romance that you have to slog through to get to the romance and the romance is kind of sped up because they didn't really la- do the groundwork. Like I think for a debut novel, this book is insane. Like she is obviously an extraordinarily talented writer and what she was able to do with plot and with character. And I feel like every character felt like a fully formed person and also was just you could tell that she's also a big romance reader because she understood the genre she understood the archetypes of the of the genre she understood who people should be in situations and then she took all that and she just spun it slightly to make it a little bit more interesting to make it a little bit more fresh I I absolutely loved it I thought that this was this is a this is a fantastic book so this is a book where Split on for like the first time, Clayton.
1: Yeah, I mean, did did you find this book scary, or is that not the point?
0: I was thinking, I was like, honestly, I don't know that I've ever been scared by a book other than I read Dracula, and I was legitimately scared by Dracula. Like, had to turn all all the lights in my house. But other than that, which is like obviously like one of the classics, I don't know that I've ever been really scared by a book and I wasn't necessarily scared by this one. But also it's like ghosts don't really scare me that much.
1: Well, you're more like Sam. You just want to you just want to make acquaintance with them.
0: I just want to say like, hey, what's up? (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, because you'll talk to them and say, I don't I don't want you here right now.
0: Yeah. That's a that's a helpful tip for anyone who is experiencing a ghost. If you just say out loud or in your mind, I don't want to see you right now, they go away.
1: So that is That is a great tip.
0: <laughs> um, were you scared at all? No.
1: I thought that it was a little bit interesting that everybody had their own personal haunt where Mm -hmm. there was all these stories about this house and they were always different, I thought was very interesting. I think at the end of the day, you know, that it was this little girl rose and that she was making everybody's nightmares come true, or at least in their head. That, and then walking outside with her because she was stuck in the house and telling her she could leave. I guess I'm just not a haunted house person i like there's so many things about a haunted house story that are hard because what are the powers of this ghost what what is the extent of what they can do it it, there you know haunted houses are so hard to pull off because why can't a ghost just kill everybody or there's just so many things about ghosts in a house that make it very difficult to make a story Have stakes and be interesting. I understood that she had a a bad husband and that was her big fear. It just, it was just really just flogged to death in this book. And I get it. It's, it's a, I understand the fear and I understand why she would, she would be afraid of him. Alan has a twin brother that comes and says, You're going to pay me 600 bucks every month or I go to the papers and tell them all this crazy shit. And so she starts paying him and then he, like he looks exactly like her husband. And there was a cool segment where she walks in and sees him and thinks it's the husband. Mm -hmm. And for a second I was like, Oh, this could be interesting. And then it's a twin brother. And I was like, okay, tropey, which we love, but Mm -hmm. I was a little disappointed that it was a twin, and I usually love twins. (laughs) Sam, too, for me, was, and I know he was a ray of sunshine and he was a good guy, but his, he didn't take no in a way that I didn't like. Like, he shows up places when she's not, she doesn't want him there.
0: I guess so, but it is the sort of thing where it's, like, because of the book that this is that I'm, like, a little bit, like, okay with it. I did find it weird when he came in her bedroom window because I was, like, that seems pretty over the top. But And then they end up having sex for the first time. But she always initiates the sex, which I did like, too. Like, he's never sort of, like, pushing her in that way at all. Um,
1: yeah, she asks him. She's, like, do you want to make love to me or whatever?
0: It all went back to Sam's character, though, too, because it's like uh, you've we've all met those people who just like grew up in re- in in loving homes and ended up being very beautiful people, and just like don't understand like just this strife. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just used to being told yes. The world always opens themselves itself up to them, and so that's like kind of sam's journey too where like he has to sort of just realize that like things don't always work out and and you have to respect that other people's experience is different than yours and i think that was what happened for sam he was just sort of like well no i like this person i sort of always get what i want not in a Derek Craveny way, but in a, like a, just a genuinely like kind of ignorant way of like, I just, things work out for me. And when you want something and you love something, then it works out. And that's the way the the world works. And he had to kind of realize that like, no, that's not what it works out. And she's been telling you this entire book about how she feels and what makes her nervous and what she doesn't want to experience. And he kind of had been steamrolling her and not really paying attention um, and in a way where I think like Alva needed that, Alva was like closed off and in a box and I don't think would have emerged had Sam not sort of just like pushed her a bit. But he did need to sort of realize what he was doing and what it was doing to her.
1: He couldn't deal with the fact that he didn't get what he wanted or that this wasn't going to be, he, it, 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 it might not be the love that he, he thought it could be. But then at the end, they do get together because he goes in and saves her.
0: Right. Because she has a special connection to the ghost, where the ghost is able to sort of like take over her being and sort of show her things. So Alva appears to be just like in a coma on the floor. But in her mind, she's, she's wandering around experiencing things being chased. I thought the ghost was really interesting. And a few people had written... Uh, in like reviews and stuff like the ghost isn't what you expect so i kept expecting it to not be a ghost for it to somehow be alfred or somehow be a live person and it wasn't it was this, it was this person who had lived in the house when she was a child and then was sent to an asylum and and died in the asylum okay
1: came back to the house i guess
0: Yeah, well, I I get that it's like you would want to go back to the place where you have your happiest memories. And so then she just was there and just felt kind of like trapped. Um, I thought it was interesting. Her name was Mary Rose. And then famously, the Kennedys have a sister, Rosemary, who they put in an asylum when she was a teen because she was too... um, Promiscuous. ...overly sexual. Yeah. Yeah. And then they let her die there and never visited her. So, you know. Good New England Catholics. So, uh, But
1: that's the only bad thing that Kennedy's ever did.
0: <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> oh, yeah. A- anyway, to say, I-, I do think that that's really interesting because so much of the Gilded Age and the time that this is being written in, there is this great leap forward in science, in medicine, in... um psychology and it is a lot about that time is is the human being up against the machine and I think this is showing a little bit like this human being this this young woman up against sort of like the like the machine of society and all that and just sort of being locked away and being forgotten which is also an experience that Alva has growing up where her parents have her and are pretty cruel to her um in a in a neglectful way um and so i it makes sense to me also why the ghost would have such a strong connection to alva in a way that the ghost doesn't really have a strong connection to to sam or to even the laborers who come into the house it's not like anything really bad happens they kind of like see something and but nothing crazy so um i thought that was interesting because i think sometimes in these ghost stories there's a character as a connection to a ghost and you're just sort of like but why you over someone else Uh, and it really made sense because the ghost story really sort of mirrored alva's i just got that the ghost was named rose and then they renamed the house rose house (laughs) in this moment yeah that makes sense Because ultimately what happens is Alva was going to turn this into just sort of like a grand house on the Hudson. And she decides to instead uh, fix it up and have it be uh, a home for people who they call like people with mental disturbances. but it's just sort of like people who who need, uh, you know, sort of extra care due to mental health issues, Um, which is really sweet, too.
1: Well, she the reason she wanted to buy this house and and fix it up and write this book was because of her ex who took most of her money she had a little bit left over but she wanted a future that was dictated by her actions so she wanted mm-hmm. something that she could sustain herself with which i related to i i liked that about her i like that she was thinking I need to be independent. I need to have income of my own. I need to have a thing of my own. I need this, mm-hmm. and I th- that was a very rootable thing for me. Sam, on the other hand, you know he was family full of inventors. They'd invented some stuff, made some money. He was just traipsing through the world, like like you said, get what I want all the time. And the thing about Sam is, like, his personality was he didn't understand social norms. He didn't understand how to talk to people. Yet also, he was kind of smooth when he kisses her. I, I guess I, I didn't buy into the Lothario nerd. And I know he's not a nerd because he's handsome. But it, I didn't buy into this character at all. I just didn't find him to be realistic enough in my mind. And this might be because of like preconceived notions or my biases towards that kind of personality type. That he turned me off. I was by I was not invested in Sam at all. And I think that really probably was what made me not like this book as much as I could have.
0: I think when it comes to the rules, though, too, it's like back in the day, especially New York, the uber wealthy just decided to create their own rules of society just explicitly to make sure to know who was in and who was out. So there are some of those things that I think Sam, just like being a guy from Ohio, like wouldn't necessarily know. And also they wouldn't want him to know because they would want to be able to always mark him as an outsider, Um, as opposed to Alva, who would have been educated in those like weirdly specific rules since she was a child. So I think it's more to sort of sort of show his like outsider status than necessarily show him as a goon. You know, uh, I I don't know, but I get it. It's like, also, you you just didn't connect with the characters, which, like, happens. (laughs) And, you know, and I think it's, like, fine.
1: Because this whole, Um, like, how long did it take you to lace up those shoes? How long does it take you to put your shoes on? Dude, like, that's the kind of stuff. I don't like characters like that. If somebody asked me that, and I, listen, I like banal conversation. I like conversation about things that are not the normal conversation. But mm-hmm. that's a kind of conversation that's a specific personality type that I just... I, I'm oil and water with that.
0: Yeah, I hear you.
1: She is a good writer. I'm not saying that she's not a good writer. I would read another one of her books. But she's gonna... It's gonna be another one of the his family.
0: I hope so. I'm like, I'm in. I... This is like, yeah, this is the rare episode. I feel like for the most part, we are on such the same side of these books. So like, it is funny when this happens, when we are split. Um, I'm in to read for her entire family. I hope that his lawyer, Henry, ends up with his sister, Maggie. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm in for the whole fam.
1: I mean, this might make me need to investigate my bias towards certain personality types.
0: I think my thing, too, is, like, my brother is an inventor. Like, since he was a kid, he, like, took apart – what did he take apart? I don't know. He always had, like, weird, like, screws and things in his room, and he, like, built a fan when he was a kid, and he would build tons of things. And, like, I think I am just have been around that mind before. And so in seeing Sam, it wasn't like, this is absurd. It was more sort of like – uh, you know, I I know this person like like you know like he's within my family. My brother is granted not six five and incredibly cut. He's I don't know how tall he is. Um, he but six five. <laughs> He's not six five. I mean, I think he's like five eleven probably. I don't know. Uh, maybe not he Anyway,
1: well, you thought um, I you were taller than me, so we're not taking. We're not taking into <laughs> account your ability to measure someone's height.
0: Anyway. Um, yeah. To say that then when it comes to Sam, it's like, I don't know. I've been around that personality before. And like, listen, they're exhausting. And talking to my brother can be truly exhausting sometimes because – he is just constantly working problems in his mind. And so sometimes you're just like, I don't want to talk about this problem or this. I don't view this as a problem. I don't view this as something that needs improvement, but he can't help himself. And so that's how he's thinking. And he's thinking, he's thinking, how can I improve this? How can I improve this? Oh, this is wrong. Well, how can I make it right? And I think I liked that about Sam, that his brain went there. So when he was like, oh, the, this shoe, this is inefficient. How can I make this efficient? Or, you know, the morning after they have sex for the first time, the maid comes in and drops the tray and he's like, well, it seems silly that it was so easy for you to drop the tray. Like, how do we make that better? I've just been around those people and I love some of those people. And so it's like, you know, I don't have the same thing that you do, but I get it because we've definitely read characters and books that are just like my personality type that I hate the most and that it is impossible to keep reading the book or care or want that person to succeed. Like, I get it. Yeah, people deserve love, uh,
1: but I don't want to hear about it sometimes. (laughs)
0: Um, Very good. I do. Diana Biller, if you're listening, you know, I'll read every book you write. I have I'm a I'm a big fan and I think that this was a great book. I think if you're listening and you're on the fence, read the book. Maybe you'll really like it. Maybe you'll be on Clayton's side. Let us know uh, which way you fall. But um, let's do the most important question, which is, would you fuck them? No. No? I'd fuck them both into next week. Yeah. They both sounded incredibly hot.
1: No. (laughs) I just don't have an interest.
0: (laughs) No, Sam would annoy you too much. You'd be like, can we just... And he would be like, no, but how can I make this more efficient for this? And you'd be like, fine, whatever, I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, I mean, Alva sounded really beautiful and fun. Um, fun? When she was with Sam. Like, I think it's like she was incredibly repressed. She grew up in a very repressed society. She grew up in a society where it's like her parents were cruel to her and her husband was cruel to her. And she really had a very small experience and had a very small personality. And, you know, she, before her husband dies, they separate and she mo- moves to Montmartre. And she has a. Wait, what? She, <laughs> she moves to Montmartre, the uh, area in Paris. Whatever, where all the where all the artists are. And she starts a life and becomes friends with people who live around her. And it seems like she's having a good, like, a, a good time. And good old-fashioned sort of orgy. With, <laughs> well, when she's with Sam, too, like, he pulls out what I think is her true personality, which is, like, a little cheeky and funny and clever. Um, and so... Yeah.
1: I wish she would have actually yeah, done orgies. That would have been cool.
0: If she had had orgies in Paris? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like they well. were saying that she did.
0: Right. That would have been a great too,
1: reveal is- if it was like, yeah, I did all that shit and I'm proud of it and I loved it and I'd do it again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Right. Because it's also like everybody has their like sexual wild years or not everybody, but, you know, people do. And it's not like it would be absurd if it's like, oh, you had a really mean husband and then you just wanted to have a lot of fun. I don't hate it for her. I agree. Yeah, it could have been fun if she had done that. Do you want to do Goodreads list?
1: Let's do it.
0: Okay, so not on a ton of lists. So this book came out in 2019. It came out last year. So um, the first list is uh, Headless Women. Am I missing something there? It's the cover is a headless woman.
1: Okay. Because I'm... There's... Okay. Headless women on the cover. Yeah. That's kind of a sick list.
0: (laughs) I think they're just trying to point out, like, trends. And there's just, like, a trend of just having a woman with no head on the cover. Okay. Well, then that's true. I feel like this list should be
1: headless women on cover.
0: Not just in general. Not just headless. It's Not like a sleepy hollow situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gilded Age New York fiction and nonfiction. Yes. Historical ghost fiction. Yes. I love New York City.
1: Well, you gotta.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was fun to read a book set in New York City versus England. You know yeah I did enjoy that hearing about Delmonico's hearing about Fifth Avenue I don't know it was like it was pretty cool um my favorite historical romance I
1: I could see that I mean it's one of I don't know if it's one of yours but you think very highly of it so
0: I would say it's one of mine definitely uh interesting women in historical romances I could see that funny as hell I did not find this especially funny. I thought there was a, some clever turn of phrases, but this was not like a laugh out loud book. Uh, Widows and Widowers. Yeah. And and then it was on a lot of anticipated lists and stuff, but I don't add that on because it's kind of like, what's the point? Um, all right, Clayton. So what are your tropes?
1: Twins, ghost story, handsome inventor, heroine with a bad past, heroine with bad parents hero with good parents which i think is not a trope <laughs> it's so rare for anybody to have good parents in any mm-hmm. of these books or like both both hero and heroine i don't think will ever have good parents
0: no it's not just like two people from healthy families well i think the thing is too it's like when it's england and everyone's a freaking duke or a marquess or something like that it's like the father needs to be dead or they're not a duke. You know?
1: Yeah. Blackmail. Nerdgasm. (laughs) I'm sure somebody would call this a nerdgasm.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. I didn't even really think of him as a nerd. But yeah, I guess so.
1: Well, Aaron, what are your tropes?
0: So I have big man filling a doorway, which he did in this, which was very nice. Uh, Kate Claiborne's favorite, obviously. Um... A sunshine hero, grumpy heroine, spooky romance, inventor hero. Hero falls in love first. He falls in love with her basically at first sight and then just like waits a little bit to tell her, but it's still very effusive with his praise, which I think is really sweet. And it was nice to see a hero just be like, oh, no, like, I love you. I want to marry you and not have him be like all conflicted and everything about it. Um, Just once tonight to get it out of my system. That's the first time they have sex. Alva's like, well... We'll just have sex this one time and then he'll move on and that never happens but i love it every time uh hero has big family heroin is lonely and experienced heroin because she basically her husband engineered like them being caught having sex so that he she would have to marry him and then basically just never had sex with her again
1: it's a great trick if you can pull it off <laughs>
0: I just found I just didn't understand that like for the story like why that was relevant and for a while I was nervous that they would be, reveal that like Alan was gay or something like that but that doesn't seem to be this the case you just are like Alan just didn't want to fuck her and that's that I, I found I, I just didn't get it anyway so it's fine Alan whatever. was just an all purpose cold. he hated creep. her yeah he hated her and so that's whatever okay uh fun maids her maid Liza I really love too she's like very outspoken and very gossipy which I'm like if I had a maid I would want a gossipy maid too would you so those are my tropes hmm? I want a maid that could keep her mouth shut well that's the thing the big difference you love keeping secrets about yourself and I find keeping secrets about myself to be tiresome so I would have no problem because I would probably tell people anyway I really am an open book. It's embarrassing what I reveal to people.
1: Man, that's just, it's, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation we could get into. But we won't.
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't do it on, like, social media or something. Like, I think that's crass. But, like, honestly, if you ask me any question, I'll just tell you what the answer, like, the truth is. I have six pen pals now. I'm telling them intimate details of my life. (laughs) I'm just like, why, who cares? Here you go. Yeah. So... Those are all of our tropes. Clayton, what has you swooning this week?
1: So, recently, October 1st, Peacock, yes, Peacock, the streaming network that nobody loves, dropped (laughs) every season of SNL onto the network. Now, it's not perfect because there's, they're edited episodes, there's no musical guests, for some reason Lauren Michaels wants to control the legacy so much that he he's like George Lucas in the in the way he keeps fidgeting with these SNL episodes, which is kind of a bummer. But it is free to watch with commercials if you want. You don't have to be a peacock subscriber, which is great. So I've been watching a bunch of late eighties, early nineties SNLs. And absolutely Mm -hmm. loving it because that was the first couple seasons that I started watching. That's the golden era in my estimation. SNL is such a pale imitation of what it was even four years ago that it's almost impossible to watch. But as you know, and as, of course, producer Patty knows, I will watch every episode until I die. Same with Pat. (laughs) Every year I say I'm not going to watch SNL again because it's so, so bad. And where am I on the first night that it comes back? I'm right in front of the TV at 1130 watching it live. So I would say if you're an SNL fan at all, if you are a fan of those years, the you know 86 to 93, the ones that I love so much, there's so much to, to watch there. Especially Jan Hooks I wanted to call out because... When I was a kid, I loved that whole cast, but Jan Hooks, I I think, brought me through puberty because I was (laughs) so in love with Jan Hooks. I just thought she was hilarious and beautiful and all those things. She has passed away. Uh, Mm. She passed on, I think, in 2014 or so. Very sad because she was young. But just watching those episodes again and seeing her do her thing, was just, like, so awesome and, and and great, and that will never, never go away, and it's amazing that those things are available now for people to see, so I would say, if you haven't, if you don't know who Jan Hooks is, go watch some of those episodes, I mean, the whole cast is great, but you'll see somebody who just had, like, really, really awesome talent that I don't think ever got their due, so that's my swoon.
0: That's awesome. That's a very good swoon.
1: Well, Erin, what is your legitimate swoon?
0: My swoon. Um, So I have like two swoons. They'll both be quick. So the first is Enola Holmes on Netflix. It's uh, like a story of the teenage sister of Sherlock Holmes. um, And it is written beautifully and shot beautifully and acted beautifully Henry Cavill I never had a crush on. Now I have a massive crush on him. He is so utterly, like, charming and beautiful in this. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown, who I do find grating sometimes, was really charming as well. It's a it's a well-told story. It's super fun. It's great escapism. So uh, definitely watch Enola Holmes. Um, and the other thing is something that I did uh, on Saturday – that actually our friend, sister podcast, uh, Faded Mates, um, ha- is going to be doing basically every Saturday up until the election. They are phone banking with Indivisible. Um, I was really nervous to phone bank for Joe Biden, obviously. But uh, it was not as bad as I thought it was talking to strangers. Most people were very nice. And... Um, I had been feeling really overwhelmed with everything that's happening right now uh, in regards to the election. And I found that after doing that, I felt much more I like I had done something like a little bit in control. So if you're also feeling overwhelmed, you have the time. They're going to do it every Saturday. If you go to their either their Twitter or their um, Instagram. They have the link to sign up. You could message us as well. I'll send it over to you. Uh, I really think it's worth it to do. There's a lot of ways to get involved. And I think if you are feeling overwhelmed, find a way to get involved if it's writing postcards, if it's texting, if it's uh, phone banking. It really helps. So I would say uh, to do that.
1: So Aaron, where can they find us?
0: So you can, um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Like we said at the top of the episode, it's how people find us. We really appreciate whenever someone takes the time. Um, we're really enjoying reading them at the top of the uh, episode. So who knows? We might read yours. Um... If you have suggestions, if you want to have notes for us, I don't know. Just want to say hi, you can email us at tropes podcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at Learning Tropes. On Instagram, we're at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. We have merch, which is linked below. The holidays are coming up. You know, maybe everyone in your family wants a merch from us. It could happen. Um and then so next week we are watching Practical Magic. Not We're not reading the book. I know there is a book. But we're just doing the movie. It's my favorite spooky Halloween type witch movie. Um, so I imagine producer Patty is probably going to join us as well for that one. Um, and then finally, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at All All right. Bye, guys. Bye.